Welcome to the final off-season episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I am your host, David Goh, uh, here today for an opening day preview, a little bit of an opening day preview. We'll get to some of our awards and, uh, and, and predictions like that next time Peter is able to join us, which hopefully will be next week, if not maybe the week after, a little bit of a unfortunate timing, I guess. Um, but instead of that, instead of our, our awards, we're going to be talking about uh, some of my bold predictions for the Brewers, a couple unfortunate, uh, I guess, series of events at the catcher position. Uh, I guess really just one one uh, event being Pedro Severino's 80-game PED suspension and then kind of the fallout that came after that. Uh, and then the Brewers essentially have their Major League roster set. Officially, 11 a.m. on Thursday, April 7th is the time that it needs to be submitted. However, the Brewers only have 28 players left on the active roster, so we can assume who will be on the roster at this point. Uh, and we'll we'll go through a little bit of maybe who are some of the surprises, who I'm excited to see, and who maybe to watch for, especially uh, as the Brewers hold 28 guys on the active roster to begin the year. That number will go down to 26 uh, starting on May 1st. So we're going to go ahead right away, go into... Uh, kind of the things that have have uh, transpired at the catcher position. Pedro Severino, I'd mentioned, 80-game PED suspension. Uh, Severino had mentioned that uh, it was for a fertility drug that was prescribed to him by a doctor and forgot to get it cleared by MLB uh, or didn't check the, to see that it was a banned substance. So as a result, he was suspended. He did choose not to appeal the suspension and uh, he will serve at 80 games, but in addition to the 80 games comes that he is ineligible to play in the postseason, being uh, perhaps even maybe a bigger uh, blow to the Brewers, um, losing out on Severino in the playoffs as well. Severino hits left-handed pitching particularly well, and that was the main reason the Brewers liked him. Narvaez does not hit lefties well, so having Severino there to play against left-handed pitchers was really the main reason that the Brewers decided to sign him but now they will be without his services. Next up on the depth chart uh, would have been Brett Sullivan. Sullivan was a guy that the Brewers had signed to a major league deal, but it was anticipated that he would begin the year in AAA. He would be there, and he's a left-handed hitter, but the Brewers liked him a lot, and they wanted to keep him in the organization. But him being a left-handed hitter, they weren't quite sure if he would be able to handle the everyday backup duties. So the Brewers decided to trade him in the deal that netted them Victor Caratini. Uh, Caratini will serve as the Brewers' primary backup now. And, and he was in San Diego in competition for the backup catcher job between he and Jorge Alfaro. Caratini uh, was also sent with some cash considerations that the Brewers received. However, they did have to give up Brett Sullivan, a catcher that uh, the Brewers clearly liked and had signed to a minor league deal this past offseason as well as Corey Howell, uh, athletic outfielder, somebody who the Brewers liked. Um, they they thought that he could maybe be kind of a utility guy maybe uh, down the road, and he's somebody that would have been left unprotected in the Rule 5 draft, but you certainly could have seen him getting selected if there had been a Rule 5 draft, somebody kind of in that fringe level of talent uh, for Howell. So now, even though there was no Rule 5 draft, the Brewers end up having to give away Howell uh, in order to receive Victor Caratini uh, to handle some of the backup duty. So who is Victor Caratini? What is the kind of player that the Brewers will be receiving in Caratini? Uh, he will serve as the primary backup catcher 
could play a little bit of first base if they did need him to play first base. Uh, he's someone that comes with a little bit of, of defensive versatility in that area. Um, in addition to uh, his time at first base, I believe he spent a little bit of time in left field with the Cubs. Um, I guess I didn't check on that to make sure, but uh, I think he did, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, a little bit of third base, left field, right field, just in a pinch if they needed him to play in one of those other positions. Uh, they could, although I don't expect them to use him there regularly or even maybe at all, at, at especially third base, right field. The Brewers are pretty set in the outfield. Uh, but Caratini is a switch hitting catcher, which is part of the appeal of Caratini. Caratini being a switch hitting catcher is someone that comes with a little bit of versatility if you need to, to uh, play him against uh, either a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher. However, with Narvaez, they probably will choose to have Caratini play more against left-handed pitching, with Narvaez being much better against righties. Caratini, over his career, has a 671 OPS against righties, 239 average, 313 on base. Left-handed pitchers, a little bit better, 253 average and a 351 on base percentage. Slugging is a little bit lower, down at 342, uh, but he's considerably better against lefties than he is against righties. And the Brewers looking at that and choosing to utilize Caratini as uh, that backup that will be able to play against left-handed pitchers with Narvaez getting days off then uh, on those days. And I think it is particularly important that they do get Narvaez the days off that he needs because having Caratini play against left-handed pitching is particularly important and even maybe against righties from time to time in order to keep Narvaez uh, healthy and uh, playing well throughout the year. Last year, we saw Narvaez play quite a lot during the first half of the season. Pena was really hitting poorly. Um, Pena was hitting just in the mid-100s at the end of June. And he did play a little bit more than in the second half, but Narvaez really took a deep dive um, down in his numbers from that all-star break level that he was at. And so having a catcher that's able to handle uh, the pitching staff on days that Narvaez isn't in the lineup is going to be particularly important, especially in trying to get Narvaez uh, to the finish line as an everyday catcher and hopefully even productive into the postseason as the Brewers are looking past just the regular season for this year. So Caratini uh, coming to the Brewers, he will serve as the backup catcher, somebody that we've seen with the Cubs for a few years. He was Hugh Darvish's personal catcher for a little bit. Uh, Caratini will be the Brewers' backup catcher. Brewers making that trade on Wednesday evening after Severino's suspension. And they made another trade. They traded for Alex Jackson. Uh, he's a, a catcher, a former top prospect. Um, he was ranked number 20 by Baseball America back in 2015. Sixth overall pick in 2014. Uh, a big power bat uh, in high school and then was drafted by the Mariners but really hasn't quite lived up to his former top prospect billing. Uh, last year in AAA, he had some success, 30 games, had an OPS over 1,000. But when he got to the major leagues, he played 42 games with Miami and hit just 157, uh, 278 slugging. So it really hasn't been able to live up to any of the potential at the uh, at the major league level. He has been given a little bit of opportunity, albeit more as a backup catcher. The Brewers are going to use him as AAA catcher. Uh, they did give up Hayden Contrell 
and Alexis Ramirez. Contrell being around number 30 prospect on uh, MLBpipeline.com. So uh, giving up Contrell, uh, a utility infielder, that I don't know if Contrell will ever be a starter in the big leagues, but could be a utility guy. Uh, just for Alex Jackson, who probably won't even really play much in the major leagues, uh, is uh, I I am not a big fan of the trade. I would have preferred to see them maybe sign some veteran minor league free agent catcher and then have that catcher go with Feliciano at AAA a little bit rather than making that trade for, for Jackson. Uh, I just don't really see where Jackson could make much of an impact at the major league level. Um, and my understanding is that his glove is... It's not horrible, but it's not not particularly good either. So it's not like Jackson, somebody who is uh, you know a Jeff Mathis type, somebody who maybe could be uh, somebody who could handle the pitching staff really well, and anything that you get out of the bat is a plus. That's not the type of player that that Jackson is. So overall, not a fan of the trade. Uh, clearly, the Brewers thought that they needed to add a little bit more depth in their uh, in their catching position. Uh, having traded Sullivan and, of course, the Severino suspension. So uh, they're kind of the, uh, the the necessary things that the Brewers had to do uh, after the Severino suspension. But it does create quite an awkward situation. Looking at uh, the minor league options that the players have, Caratini and Severino specifically, um, Caratini does have one minor league option remaining, and Severino doesn't have any... Uh, minor league options remaining. So when Severino comes back from his suspension, the Brewers won't be able to option him to AAA uh, unless they designate him for assignment first, which presumably he will be claimed off waivers before then uh, if he does, if the Brewers do decide to do that. Um, having Caratini there as a backup um, right now, I mean, they could, they could, I guess, decide to option him the only thing is then Severino won't be able to play in the playoffs. So do you option Caratini then for July, August, September, and then bring Caratini back for the playoffs after he hasn't been with the team for three months? Um, but Severino probably is a little bit better and more valuable to have on the roster as somebody who hits left-handed pitching well. Do you keep three catchers on the roster? Because then you could have Severino maybe start against lefties, be a, a bat off the bench if the, uh, the opposing team brings in a left-handed reliever, and then you've still got Caratini on the bench, so you feel a little bit better about uh, maybe using one of your catchers earlier in the game as a pinch hitter. Uh, it's it's just a very messy situation. What the Brewers will decide to do, I'm not sure. Of course, it's possible there are injuries between now and then, and doesn't really end up mattering. But as of right now, at least looking at what the Brewers will decide to do in the second half with that catching position, a little bit uncertain beyond Omar Narvaez. Alex Jackson also will be on the 40-man roster. So occupying that spot, I guess, if uh, having a little bit of major league experience as a backup, the Brewers could call him up should Caratini or Narvaez get injured between now and then. If, I guess, for some reason the Brewers decide to designate Severino for assignment and then uh, maybe there's an, an injury later on, uh, we don't know, but but Jackson could... Uh, could come up in the major leagues and, and be a backup, uh, even if maybe he isn't quite as high quality of a backup as a playoff caliber team like the Brewers would ideally have. Uh, so right now they'll go into the year with Narvaez and Caratini behind the plate uh, with Severino serving a suspension. Uh, but 
looking at the active roster beyond that, we basically know now who will be on the roster, the opening day roster, number of players making their first opening day rosters. Um, but let's just kind of go through who will we see in a Brewers uniform to begin the year. Look at the infielders. Uh, of course, we've got Rowdy Teles at first, Colton Wong at second, Willie Adames at short. Luis Urias will begin the year on the injured list. The hope is that he will spend no more than a week or two on the injured list with his quad injury. However, uh, he he said that he he's feeling fine, but when he tries to ramp things up when he does sprints or, or more high-intensity activities, uh, he just doesn't quite feel right with his quad. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's really anything beyond the initial quad strain, but um, but hopefully Urias is able to come back by week two or at the latest, um, maybe a little over two weeks from now. But between now and then with Urias sitting out, it looks to be a Jace Peterson and Mike Brasso platoon. Brasso is a, a guy that hits left-handed pitching really well. We talked about that on one of the previous episodes previewing the offense. And Peterson hits right-handed pitching a little bit better. He had a 393 on base percentage overall last year. And throughout his career, he has hit right-handed pitching better than left-handed pitching. So having Peterson uh, be there uh, primarily, I guess, maybe three out of four games or however often they see right-handed pitching, definitely an advantage uh, to have a guy like Peterson and, and a guy like Brasso who can step up against lefties and righties, be a platoon there. Uh, but it is still less than ideal to have them in a starting role. And you hope that Rios is able to come back pretty soon. They also are looking at least like they're going to have Keston here start on the opening day roster. He's had a really good spring, looked really good. Uh, I've, at least from what I've seen, he's looked a lot more toned down with his swing and looks a lot more confident and just comfortable in the box. Swing looks better. A lot of the scouts that I know um, have been have been kind of talking about um, Keston Hira. Uh, maybe not scouts that I know, but but I've I've read about um, scouts talking about how Keston has looked way better this spring, and Keston's a big X factor for the Brewers in 2022. Uh, he doesn't have a clear role right now. Could play against left-handed pitchers at first base, maybe. Could play some DH. He has. Uh, I guess he did play a little bit in the outfield in spring training. However, I I hope we kind of don't see that. I I don't really want to see Keston Hira play outfield. He's already bad enough in the infield that uh, just kind of throwing him out there, I don't think, makes a whole lot of sense, especially with the need for his bat to come around. But he could be getting some at-bats, and I hope the Brewers do give him some opportunity. I'm pretty optimistic on a Keston Hero bounce back, and I'll get to that a little bit later in my bold predictions. Uh, But going over to the outfield, of course, Christian Yelich, the mainstay in left field. We got Lorenzo Cain in center, Hunter Renfro in right, Tyrone Taylor serving as uh, the primary backup, the fourth outfielder, and then Andrew McCutcheon will play a little bit in the outfield and will also serve as the team's designated hitter, at least on most days. McCutcheon, as we talked about previously, very good hitter against left-handed pitching last year, and he feels that he is able to hit right-handed pitching, that it was kind of a, an aberration and that he really figured out what the issue was and why he wasn't hitting righties very well. So if that is the case, um, that would be a big boost to the offense. He's somebody that hit 27 home runs last year, and that's even with him hitting just about a buck 80 against righties. So having McCutcheon, of course not prime Andrew McCutcheon, but even maybe uh, the McCutcheon that we saw a couple of years ago, 
would be a big boost to an offense that is in uh, in need of some uh, some bats to lengthen the lineup in more towards the bottom of the order. And Andrew McCutcheon could be a big boost to that lineup. The pitching staff, uh, I believe, is the best in baseball. And uh, even a lot of the projection systems have the Brewers at least top three among all pitching staffs in baseball. The reigning Cy Young Award winner, Corbin Burns, atop the rotation. Burns will be the opening day starter. Brandon Woodruff, the two starter, uh, he is somebody that is already receiving a little bit of preseason uh, Cy Young recognition. Um, some some national writers saying that Woodruff is really underrated and that uh, he could end up having even maybe a better year than Burns, perhaps. Freddie Peralta, an all-star last year, someone that I was uh, very high on Peralta going into last year, and uh, he proved me right. He had a 281 ERA, 144 innings, and one of the highest strikeouts per nine in all of baseball. I think ranked third among pitchers with at least 140 innings. Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser, in some order, as the fourth and fifth starters in the rotation. Both guys that had breakout years last year. Hauser was coming off a down 2020, bounced back with an ERA in the low threes. Uh, and he's not someone who will strike out a lot of guys, but He's going to keep the ball on the ground, get a lot of weak contact, and uh, that's how he's able to find success. Eric Lauer, a little bit more strikeouts than Hauser, but uh, Lauer, pretty good arm as well. Left-handed starter, um, a guy that you definitely like to have in that back end of the rotation. I mean, he's really a, a three or a four, but the Brewers don't really need him to be that level of a pitcher. Uh, but having him in that rotation is a, a very nice guy to lengthen the rotation. And then the young guy, the prospect, the rookie, Aaron Ashby. We saw him last year. We saw him in the postseason even. And he had an excellent 2021 uh, in about a half year that he was with the Brewers. However, um, his first outing and his last outing were terrible. And between that, he was really good. I think he had a sub-2 sub ERA or maybe low-2s ERA. Uh, in those outings between the first and the last, ended up having an ERA about four and a half because of the two blow-up outings that kind of ruined his ERA. But he's somebody that's going to start in the rotation as the number six starter. The Brewers will utilize a six-man rotation for at least part of the season. So having Ashby there is uh, definitely, uh, I, I would say, probably the, the best number six starter in the league. He's somebody that would be in the rotation uh, in the in the in the top five of the rotation of pretty much every other team, but the Brewers, with their incredible starting pitching depth, will have Ashby in that number six spot at least to start the year. Could see him in a swingman role potentially going forward uh, if they have more days off. They only have one day off in all of April, so having Ashby uh, there to kind of ease the Brewer starters in is definitely something that's going to be important and something. Uh, that will be beneficial to the Brewers' starting rotation. The Brewers have Josh Hader, the best closer in baseball. Uh, behind him, Devin Williams, who is probably the best setup man in baseball. Um, the Brewers have a lot of best something in baseball in their in their pitching staff. Corbin Burns was the best best pitcher in baseball last year, maybe at least inning for inning, um, best rotation, maybe even the best bullpen. Uh, they are projected by FanGraphs at least to be number two behind the Yankees. Is it too high? I don't know. I mean, Yankees are always overrated on fan grass. I think they might even be projected to be the best team in baseball, which is just, I mean, that's just not true. Anyone that knows baseball well enough knows that, that that's just not the case. Um, they have, like, everyone staying healthy for the Yankees. But anyways, I digress a little bit. Yankees are uh, always overrated. 
but the Brewers, their Brewers bullpen beyond even Hader and Williams is still quite good. Brad Boxberger, breakout 2021, kind of maybe even more of a bounce back. He was a former all-star, had 38 saves with, I think it was Arizona a few years back, but kind of uh, worked hard to regain a little bit of velo and really came back a better pitcher in 2021. The Brewers brought him back on a $2.5 million deal. Really liked the signing. Uh, will serve as the Brewers' seventh inning guy. Uh, then they've got Brent Suter, the bullpen mainstay. Now he is the the longest tenured uh, Brewer. He debuted in 2016 and uh, has been on the roster really ever since, um, unless you count Adrian Hauser, who missed a couple of years with injury. Uh, but Brent Suter is uh, another guy who's underrated. He uh, throws like 88 miles an hour, but his fastball is like among the best in baseball uh, because he gets really good ride and really good cut on the ball. And he throws it, I think, at a higher clip than any other pitcher in baseball uh, throws their four-seam fastball. So a very interesting pitcher in Brent Suter, very interesting personality as well. Um, Brent Suter is uh, honestly probably my favorite brewer on the team. Jake Cousins, somebody that broke out last year, a former indie ball guy, and somebody that is really the the big question behind him is, is he going to throw enough strikes? Uh, he's got a nasty slider and a good sinker as well. And basically he, he needs to set up guys with the sinker enough to be able to make that slider play and really be successful that way. Got excellent velocity, excellent movement. Uh, he's somebody that's a high strikeout, high walk guy. And as long as he can keep the walk rate under control, uh, he's going to be a big piece in the Brewers bullpen. Uh, they got a couple other guys that will be in the bullpen. Trevor Gott had a very good year in AAA with the Giants last year. Former Angels and Giants reliever and somebody that uh, added a new pitch last year. I think he added the changeup and saw much better results. The Brewers signed him the day that free agency opened. So clearly saw something that they really liked and were able to come to an agreement rather quickly. Yandel Gustave will be in the Brewers bullpen yet again uh, this year. Kind of a, I don't know if I'd say mop-up duty quite, but uh, someone that's that's kind of more in that um, of that ilk in the bullpen. Somebody who will get some lower leverage innings. Hobie Milner, the left-handed specialist. I know they're one of my favorite Brewers. Uh, he he actually had a very good strikeout rate. I think of about thirty percent in a small sample size last year, uh, and is is pretty good against against left-handed pitchers. Or excuse me, as a left-handed pitcher against left-handed hitters. Justin Topa will start on the injured list, um, and he is he's on the roster right now, but will uh, will miss the start of the year. But we could see him this year. Jose Urenia, the Brewer signed. Um, last year was with Detroit and previously with Miami as a starter. But Urenia seems like he might be a little bit better suited for a relief role. He's someone who um, who was much better against righties. He got a very good sinker uh, and then throws a slider off of that. And that combination is particularly good against right-handed hitters uh, as a right-handed pitcher for Urenia. So having Urenia in the bullpen who could also give you some length uh, or maybe they they really like him and he ends up having a really good first half. And maybe down the stretch, the Brewers use him in high leverage situations against right-handed hitters. Low profile signing, low low risk. Uh, but I, I do like the signing. I think he's somebody that could end up being a big add to the Brewers' bullpen. So uh, that's the, the way that the Brewers' pitching staff will shake out, barring any last-minute moves. Um, I guess if two days ago we, we thought the roster was set and... Um, 
it wasn't because of uh, the unfortunate suspension from Severino. Uh, but a couple guys that didn't make the roster that were optioned kind of uh, since the camp started, the uh, the abbreviated camp. Jan Carlos Mejia, JC Mejia. Uh, he had been acquired from the Guardians this past offseason. Uh, good sinker and a couple pitches off that, but hopefully they'll let him work as a reliever. I think he could be effective in that role, but got a minor league option remaining, so they decided to send him to AAA Nashville. Angel Perdomo, the big lefty, Miguel Sanchez, Alec Bettinger, Dylan File, all will be starting in AAA. Uh, all guys who are on the 40-man roster, as will Mario Feliciano, Pablo Reyes, and Corey Ray, trio of position players. And then a few guys who are in camp, but will be starting the year in AAA. I won't go through all of them. Uh, there would be kind of a lot, but some notable guys, Rex Brothers, um, Trevor Kelly, sidearm reliever, Josh Lindblom, we saw him some last year. And then perhaps most notably of all, Luis Perdomo, who threw seven innings and allowed just one run. Um, Perdomo is a really good sinker baller. He's He had a, some success with San Diego a couple of years ago as a starter, uh, but the Brewers would be looking at him more of a reliever or a swingman type. So having Perdomo in that uh, bullpen would be a big uh, big boost, kind of like Urenia, I think kind of similar profile and someone who could uh, could be um, could end up uh, playing a role later in the year. Uh, he's someone that I'm definitely excited to see uh, and hope to see at some point in a Brewers uniform in 2022. Uh, a couple on the position player side. Uh, former first rounder Bryce Turing will start in AAA. I would say if an injury happened to Willie Adames, that Turing would most likely come up and fill that void at uh, shortstop. He's he's capable of playing shortstop at the major league level defensively. Offensively, maybe a little bit overmatched, but he still had about a 360 on base percentage in AAA last year. He's never going to hit for a lot of power. So he would probably be the next guy up should something happen to one of the middle infielders, especially Adames as a shortstop. And then David Dahl, uh, former all-star outfielder in, uh, in in Nashville starting the year. And somebody that we could see if an injury happens to one of the outfielders. So just some of the notable guys that were in camp that will not be on the major league roster to begin the year, but we could see uh, any of them at some point in the regular season. And I, I do anticipate um, seeing, seeing some of those guys, perhaps even in April, May, June, should there be some injuries. So I promised at the beginning of the episode, we get to some bold predictions. And so I have five bold predictions. Some of them are, are good. Some of them are bad. Um, or, or maybe more on the, on the pessimistic side. Um, of course, I'm hope I'm wrong about some of those ones, but uh, I didn't want to just be all positive and act like the Brewers are going to go win 115 games or something. So my five bold predictions, I'm going to start out with the pitching staff. I only have one pitching bold prediction, um, which is probably because there's not really much that you can go bold with the Brewers pitching staff. It is already one of the best in baseball, if not the best. And the prediction is that a Brewer wins the Cy Young. Bold prediction number one. Uh, initially, I was thinking Corbin Burns repeat, but it's so difficult to repeat as either an MVP or a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, the Brewers have Brandon Woodruff, who is certainly capable of winning a Cy Young. Even Freddie Peralta, you could see it happening if he has a big enough workload and is able to repeat a lot of the success he had in 2021. Um, if it were maybe a different era, we could see Josh Hader winning the Cy Young, but I don't really uh, think that'll happen with the way pitchers are evaluated now. 
in the modern game. Bold prediction number one, a Brewer wins a Cy Young. Uh, Number two, Willie Adames makes his first all-star team. Adames came to Milwaukee last year in late May and really burst onto the scene. He hadn't really been very good in Tampa Bay over the past couple months. And 2020, uh, even though his numbers were pretty good, his strikeout rate was extremely high. 2019, he was okay. He was he had there were some good aspects of his game, some maybe more negative aspects, but really put it all together when he got to Milwaukee. Said that he couldn't really see the ball at the trop in Tampa Bay, and that's why he was hitting way better on the road. When he came to Milwaukee, he said he felt like he was on the road every day because he could actually see the ball, and uh, that is one of the important things of uh, hitting is seeing the ball. So having Willie Adames for a full year in Milwaukee, I believe, will lead to Adames's first trip to the All-Star Game in the Midsummer Classic being held in L.A. at Dodger Stadium in 2022. Bold prediction number three, another good one, Keston Hira posts an OPS above 800. Now, the at-bats for him early on in the year might be a little bit uncertain as to where they're going to come from, but I do believe that he's going to hit, and I think that he's going to bounce back from his uh, his struggles that he had in 2021. Uh, apparently, his elbow was really bothering him, and it may have affected his performance more than we had kind of thought. Having Hira back would be a huge boost to the offense, as uh, the Brewers were kind of lacking that. He was one of the best hitters in 2019 when the Brewers won, I think it was 89 games and made it to the wild card game. And uh, we won't talk about that wild card game uh, any more than we have to, but here was a big part of that team. And getting Hira back to that level, or maybe not quite to that level, I don't know if we can necessarily expect quite that good of production, but even an above average everyday big leaguer, that's something that's going to be really important for the Brewers to uh, to have them as maybe even more than just a division winner, but really a, a true threat to win the World Series. Uh, prediction number four, Christian Yelich does not bounce back. Uh, this one is certainly one that I hope I'm proven wrong about, but unfortunately I just, I don't have a lot of hope around Christian Yelich turning it around. Um, when I say he doesn't bounce back, I I guess I don't think he will post an OPS above 800, maybe a better way to phrase it, but look at some of his stats last year. Uh, he was hitting the ball on the ground a lot, kind of back to how he was in Miami, but even more drastic, even though he was hitting the ball kind of hard. It was on the ground. He had the, the back injury, but he claims that the back injury wasn't really the reason for his struggles, um, but he, he slugged like 350 or something, so I just don't... It's, it's concerning, um, you know... In spring, he hasn't looked that good. I mean, it hasn't been Cody Bellinger bad, but he hasn't been very good in spring. And then on top of that, if you look at his home runs last year, all nine of his home runs, which is already a low total, but none of them were against like good pitchers in the major leagues. None of them were against playoff teams. Uh, the best pitcher is probably like Joaquin Soria. Like they were against like him, Tyler McGill, Brad Brock, um, Siono Perez. Paulo Espino, Javi Guerra, like these aren't guys that, like they're not the top tier pitchers that you'd like to see. Someone who was a star a couple of years ago in Christian Yelich, um, really having that success again. So uh, Yelich is someone that I'm hoping bounces back, but I, unfortunately I just am not banking on a Yelich bounce back. Uh, but my fifth bold prediction is uh, kind of in spite of the fourth one, and that is the Brewers win the pennant. Brewers have only won one pennant 
in their team history, and that was back in 82 when they won the American League pennant. I'm predicting that the Brewers will win the National League pennant in 2022, 40 years later. Uh, they've got the best pitching staff in the National League. I think the Dodgers, even though maybe their lineup is better uh, than it had been in, in years past, I don't think that they'll be quite the team that they've been the last couple of years, uh, even with Freeman. And I just, I think that the Brewers are going to be hungry. They're going to um, really take a step forward in the playoffs. We know what they can do in the regular season, but having that in the playoffs is going to be very important. And I think the Brewers will be able to to make it that far. Uh, so my fifth bold prediction, the Brewers win the pennant. Five bold predictions, uh, once again, to recap them. Number one, a Brewer wins the Cy Young. Number two, Willie Adames, first all-star team. Number three, Keston Hira posts an OPS above 800. And then number four, Yelich does not post an OPS above 800. He does not bounce back. Lastly, and more, most importantly, the Brewers win the pennant. Uh, my fifth bold prediction. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully Peter is able to join us again either next week or the week following. But uh, we've got a big week coming up, of course. Opening week, uh, Thursday, April 7th, uh, tomorrow, being opening day against the Chicago Cubs. They'll be playing at Wrigley Field, 1.20 p.m. And it actually is the first game of the day. So the Brewers and Cubs will be opening up the entire Major League Baseball season. Uh, pretty exciting. I don't remember the Brewers ever having the privilege of doing that. Uh, the Brewers will play a four-game set in Chicago. Um, they will play uh, They'll play at 1.20 p.m. each day, and then they'll go to Baltimore where they'll play a three-game set against Baltimore. The Brewers actually haven't played in Baltimore since 2003, uh, which I don't know exactly how that, how that happened with the scheduling. Going forward after this year, they'll play every team every year, so um, it probably wouldn't be more than every other year that they would go without playing in Baltimore, but they haven't played there in almost 20 years. Um, and then they come back home after that to play a four-game set against St. Louis. Corbin Burns on the bump against Chicago in Game 1 versus Kyle Hendricks. And Brewers hoping to get off to a good start against one of their divisional rivals um, before going to Baltimore and then back home against St. Louis. I'm sure we'll be back uh, for another episode at the least uh, after that St. Louis series, but hopefully sooner. But thanks for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And looking forward to a big year of Brewers baseball. High expectations for the Brewers. More excited probably going into the year than ever to watch the Brewers. They've got as talented of a roster as they've ever had. So be sure to continue to stay tuned um, to the Brewer games, but also to our podcast, Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast, where we'll update you, provide insight and analysis for all your Brewers news and information. Thanks again for listening. And this is David Goh, as always, signing off. Until next time.